106 always. That's, that's for the culture. Happy Friday, y'all. Welcome to another issue of the Bucks and Six podcast. I'm Danilo Jose de Hoya. And it's finally here. We're finally heading to the West Coast. Now, with this volume of They Got Next, this is volume four. We're going to look at the Northwest Division. Now, hopefully it's just as rocking as it was in the East. But before we get into the semantics of everything, y'all know how we get it started around here. We got our take of the day. If you're new to this podcast, first of all, welcome. This podcast is supposed to be very, I think, very consumable to everyday people. It's not going to be one of those things where it's like super analytical, even though I did put some kind of advanced stat stuff into this. But either way, yeah, first of all, welcome. Hopefully you're around for the ride. But we start off every episode with a take of the day. Now this time I got two. First time ever. The first take of the day we have. Michael Porter Jr. will be a top level scorer in the West this year and potential MIP. Now, my reasoning behind this, first of all, he's going to get plenty of shots. Jamal Murray's injured for most of the season. And with that, I think Michael Porter Jr. is viewed as a clear number two to Jokic for the season. We saw that in how he got paid, you know, that max rookie extension. And just overall, Michael Porter Jr. is one of those, you know, he's another one of those unicorns. 6'10", very much like KD. So when he raises to shoot the ball, like it's almost unguardable but I think this season will be another reason to give more evidence to why he was the steal of the 2018 draft and who knows if he becomes better on the defensive end it's over and I think leading into that next year if everyone's healthy I think the Nuggets could very much be a contender they have a very good roster I feel obviously anchored by Nikola Jokic the best center in the league right now Jamal Murray one of the best Canadians in the league right now although he's injured speedy recovery looks like the recovery is going really nice so I see that you know he's already lifting and it's looking real nice and obviously we got Michael Porter Jr and just their whole roster as a whole I think is very nice but Michael Porter Jr is definitely someone to watch this year I think if I have a chance to draft him in fantasy, I might have to because, you know, he had some really nice bright spots last year. And I think, obviously, with how the Nuggets season is uh, almost kind of preordained, in a sense. Again, there's no Jamal Murray, so there's going to be that big, big hole there. And I think MPJ is going to fill up a lot of that hole, as well as Monte Morris, in my opinion. But this take is focused on the fact that Michael Porter Jr., again, will be a top-level scorer in the West this year. And, in my opinion, the favorite to win MIP. Now... First time ever in the podcast, we got a second take. This one is, Rudy Gobert will look like an absolute monster to most teams, but he will be a liability down the stretch against contenders slash teams that can play five out. I think overall, this is his Giannis moment. You know, we saw Giannis be almost completely ineffective against the Raptors when they started to wall up. We saw this playoff series with the Clippers as, you know, Rudy Gobert is really stanking it up. He still has that aura of exposed of him heading into this season. And in that game six, Clippers shot 12 for 15. So pretty much 80% when he was the primary defender. I think his love for depending the paint slash lack of switchability will really get the Jazz caught with their pants down in the playoffs. And I think a really concerning fact was that a lot of those shots he did give up were corner threes, which is the best possible shot in basketball. Because obviously, you know, you get your three points plus it's the closest to the basket. But with that, I think Rudy Gobert is going to be looked at as a liability a lot during the year and I think that's really really concerning when you consider the fact that the Jazz paid him 200 million regardless though I believe the Jazz are gonna be one of those teams that are really really good in the regular season we just see how it translates to playoff time but either way I give both of those takes a thank you for that Chuck (laughs) but for real with that Let's head into a short, short little intermission before we get into the nice, nice, good old meat, the filet mignon, the wagyu, the A1 sauce part of the podcast. But yeah, see y'all in a bit.
Now, as I said earlier, this issue is kind of an ongoing little mini-series we got. This is called They Got Next, and we're looking at the Northwest Division. So we're looking at the Utah Jazz, Denver Nuggets, the Portland Trailblazers, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Oklahoma City Thunder, who have every draft pick. But regardless, we're going to be breaking it down like this. We're going to be looking at the team's core. You know, who is their roster constructed around, as well as who's going to pop off, who is a player that is either coming off of a lackluster season or is looking to make that next jump in general. We're going to look at the guys who are going to slump. Maybe they're getting older, or maybe they just found out a stink. As well as, who's a potential trade please? Who's a guy that might be on the chopping block in order for this team to, in their opinion, get better but at the same time again the NBA is very very unpredictable so trades are always kind of like you never really know what you're going to get till you get it. Now let's head right into it. Got our first team the Utah Jazz. So up first we got the Utah Jazz. They're a team that I love very much. Not as much my bucks. However I do love the fact that their whole system is based around defense because obviously that's how Milwaukee runs but their core as it is right now I would consider to be Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and I'd even throw Royce O'Neal in there just because defensively he's a go-to guy. If you look at stats, I believe, I don't remember how they worded it, but out of everyone in the league last year, he was the guy that was the one primarily defending teams like number one scoring option, but you know, Royce O'Neal's a stopper. Now, the player I have picked to pop off, I got Eric Pascal here. I think he'll be a solid role player. The per 36 number's looking spicy. And I think he can overall just grow into a solid starter. You know, we see that Joel Ingles is getting older as well as he has that connection with Donovan Mitchell. You know, could be that spark that he needs to reach a new level. I think the main concern I have with him would be just adjusting to a defensive scheme because he is coming from the Warrior system because that's like completely day and night. Go from one where like defense is the complete, like at the, the epicenter of your whole being as a team whereas obviously the Warriors have been very much uh run off screens and shoot the shit out of the ball kind of the team but you know I think Eric Pascal is very poised for a good season the person I picked a slump I got Rudy Gay here he's coming to his age 35 season he's gonna play in a reduced role he's pl playing behind a lot of wings obviously guys like Bogdanovich Ingles I do think he'd be above Eric Pascal in terms of like wing minutes however I think the main reason they got him was for him to really be that small ball center if teams do decide to go five out just because again like I said earlier Rudy's gonna be fucking useless in those kind of situations now this one's another unique situation for the trades I have nobody because I think the team's a lot more versatile than last year I think we'd have to see before the deadline what kind of you know what kind of moves they would need to make not to say that they're a perfect team however as it stands right now I think the team is like decently complete However, I think the big thing that they really address is the fact that they can guard five out. Now, Rudy Gay is 6'8", so he could definitely play a bit of small ball center. But the main thing is just that when a guy you handed out a max contract to can't play basketball because they do the one thing and take away his effectiveness, that's why they got Rudy Gay on the team. But overall, I think that the Jazz are going to be another team that's really, really solid in the regular season however might see a few struggles in the playoffs again who knows coming from the jazz we're gonna head over to a team that i also love the denver nuggets all right now here we are with the mile high city as their core i got nicole Jokic, jamal murray their canadian sensation mpj and aaron gordon now the players i picked to pop off obviously just like i said in my take earlier i got michael porter jr here He's going to be the second option. I think he'll be the beneficiary of many nice Jokic dimes. I think if everything's clicking, we're looking at a potential all-star, man. Who knows? He's very, he's like a, if I were to equate it to, he's obviously not on that level, but 
He looks like a muscular KD. You know, he's 6'10", might even be taller like how Kevin Durant's really a 7-footer. But he just has that, he just has that look to him that he can definitely guard multiple positions. However, he does need to improve defensively. But if he does, that's a scary sight. Second player I picked to pop off, have Monte Morris here. I think he'll be the starter until Murray comes back. He's shown up in big moments. We saw him with 28 points in game five against Portland off the bench, which I think is as good a spark plug as you could ever ask for. I think Monte Morris is going to be able to step into this role and really own it. But he's also a guy that I think will put the team first. And when Jamal Murray is back and healthy, he'll definitely be able to even pop off even more in his bench role. Moving on to who I think is going to slump. I got Jeff Green here. He's super old, but I believe the whole reason Denver really signed him was there to be a leader. I think you can see him being the go-to guy during the year. Now, overall, I think Jeff Green is there to be a leader. I think that's something that the Nuggets are really lacking. Now they've definitely addressed it with Jeff Green. Not to say he's going to be like, hop on my back, we're going to go. He's just going to be that nice, savvy vet that's there to, you know, keep everybody level-headed and keep everyone, you know, to stop running from the grind and shit. But no, for real. I think Jeff Green's gonna be a super nice addition to them. Now, player I picked to get traded. This one's very near and dear to my heart. Bull Bull, he's a lion trapped in a cage. He'll never be able to make a big impact playing behind Jokic. I think, personally, if I were to trade him, trade him to the Hornets and let him and Melo go to work. I think that'd be a really sick duo just by the fact that Bull Bull possesses like the handles of a guard and he's literally 7-1. Could be a defensive monster. I just think he just needs a situation where he's able to flourish and Denver's probably. Aside from places like Philadelphia and Minnesota, definitely probably the worst situation he can be in just by the fact that, again, he's playing behind one of the best centers in the league. So as much as I love Bobo, I would definitely not choose him over Jokic in any scenario, but send him to some greener pastures. He could definitely flourish in another system. Definitely think Charlotte might be the one. Now, with that being said, let's head over to the very, very west of the coast to the team that's closest to my home, the Portland Trailblazers. Now, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, however, in terms of Western Conference teams, I'd say Portland Trailblazers are my boys. Their core as it is now, we got, in my opinion, the best point guard in the league right now, Damian Lillard, followed by CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, and Norman Powell. The players I picked to pop off, I got CJ McCollum, and I'll let y'all know the other one after I talk about CJ. Now, I think the main thing people forget about CJ that he was having an all-star season before he broke his foot. Effectively, the other foot ended the Blazers season. However, I think because of that, he's coming in with a chip on his shoulder. Statistically, had a career year, and I think he's just going to look to build off of that. And, you know, the main thing we're concerned about here is health. However, again, I think CJ McCollum can really still be that second piece. However, if things ain't working, we'll talk about it later, but I think you can somewhat guess. Now, second player I picked to pop off. Larry Nance Jr. He's going to be playing meaningful basketball for the first time in his career. He obviously has a losing record in his career when you think about the teams he was on. The Lakers when they stunk and the Cleveland Cavaliers without LeBron. I think that tells you all about his career and the trajectory he's had. I think it's going to be really nice to see him playing in some, again, I hate to use the word, but meaningful basketball. You know, he's going to be competing for a playoff spot. For Portland, I think they're very much uh, not a championship or bust. However, if they do have a disappointing playoffs like they did last year, might be time to say Dame, or <laughs> might be time to say goodbye to Dame as much as I love that man. Now, I think Larry Nance Jr. will also come off the bench just because of uh, Rocco. However, if he is playing good this season, who knows? They might shake it up a bit. However, I would like to see him shoot more. He only averages about six attempts per game. I think if he were to shoot that more, he can become a really nice spark plug off the bench for the Blazers. Now, player I'm picking to slump, Norman Powell. I don't, and it's not because he's a Raptor. Now, hear me out. 
I like him better as a six man personally, and I think playing small forward at six three is a defensive nightmare that's disgusting to think about when literally one through three of your starting fives are all pretty like undersized, to be honest. But either way, I think the only reason he's really starting is because they paid him 90 million fucking dollars. And I think he's a solid player. I just don't love him at the three. I think with him playing at the three the whole year, that is how Chauncey decides to run the team. I think he'll be a mismatch and something that the teams will go out hunting for. And I think he'll just completely shit the bed when he's trying to stop 6'9", LeBron James, 250 pounds when he's 6'3". Either way, though, Norman Powell, gotta love the guy. Player I'm picking to get traded. I think this is one of the first times we're going to double up. This might be the first time we've doubled up, but I got CJ McCollum here. Uh, Portland's offseason in general was very meh. They added a bunch of role players at best and never really got that third star that they were... I think they were searching for. However, I think if they're not in solid playoff contention by the trade deadline, they need to make a big move. I think unless CJ makes an all-star team, he will definitely be the sacrificial lamb. And I think the main thing that they should trade for is another wing. If you move on from CJ, I think if they were to pull off the Ben Simmons trade, they'd obviously, I think, shift Ben to the three or to the four. Just give him more versatility to play the wing and allow him to be another playmaker. And it will also allow Dame to operate off ball. Not saying that CJ is definitely going to get traded for Ben Simmons. However, CJ McCollum, I think, is someone that will definitely be looked at as, you know, a nice trade piece on the market if the Trailblazers do decide to stink it up in the beginning of the year. Praying that that doesn't happen, though. Now, let's head over to another team that hasn't had too much success, but I think they're really on the next on the next steps is the word I want to use, but nah, I think they're a team that's very much a good season or bust this year, especially with considering who their front man, however, we'll see. Now, let's head over to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, when we look at Minnesota, as it stands right now, I was considered their core to be Cat, Ant-Man, D'Lo, and I even throw Malik Beasley there. Congrats to the man for getting out of jail. Now, aside from that, you got solid players like Jared Vanderbilt, Jossa Koji, who's just coming off an Olympic Games, as well as like Torian Prince, who's been known to you know, be at least reliable. However, I wouldn't necessarily consider those guys part of the core yet. Or maybe Jared Vanderbilt because he just signed a contract, but either way, now, the player I'm picking to pop off, I got Anthony Edwards. Rumor has it he grew to 6'6". I don't know if that's true, but if it is, whoo! Better watch out. Like LaMelo, I think he looked very comfortable in his rookie year. It might have took a little longer. However, you can't tell me that a guy averaging nearly 20 points isn't comfortable in the league. I think with this year, I think he has the ability to average a solid 20 points per game. Maybe more. However, he needs to improve defensively. He had a defensive rating of 116. And if you don't know what that means, that means on 100 possessions, this man is giving up 116 points, which isn't all that good. However... I think with just another year of being comfortable, as well as just developing chemistry amongst him, Cat, D'Lo, maybe Ben Simmons if they trade for him either, but no, nah, regardless, Anthony Edwards is another guy I think is poised for a good sophomore year. Player I'm picking slump, I got Patrick Beverly. I think it's just because he's used to being in at least like, for the most part, in a starting role, obviously kind of lost that with Reggie Jackson and the Clippers last year, but Patrick Beverly, I think, is just a guy who can bring some nice grittiness to uh, the Timberwolves. You know, might be looking at a Jimmy Butler situation, but just way, way, like, on a lower tier. But regardless, Patrick Beverly, I think, is still one of the scrappiest defenders. I would not call him one of, like, the most lockdown defenders. I think he's low-key overrated in that sense. But if we're talking about a guy who's going to be able to, you know, hold his own, even despite his size, and, you know, potentially get into the heads of other players, I think out of any t players on the Timberwolves, 
Patrick Beverly's that dude. Now, amid all the rumors, I believe out of all the teams, Minnesota makes the most sense. I think with Ben giving his list, the Sixers would be like, fuck you, I'm not going to listen to what you want to do. I'm going to trade you somewhere cold. But I think he would want to go to Minnesota the most if I'm, if I'm him. The main piece in this trade would obviously be D'Angelo Russell. I think Minnesota makes the most sense again out of all the teams to get traded to because there's no way he's going to any of the California teams. Obviously, maybe Sacramento makes sense, but they've already said, you know, we're not trading... We're not going to trade those three out of those three guards that are the main people they'd assume would be traded. Plus, I mean, Davion Mitchell can't even be traded right now because he just signed his rookie contract. But, yeah, D'Angelo Russell, the most loyal man in the league, would never snitch on anyone. I think if there were to be a Ben Simmons trade, I think D'Lo's heading to uh, Philly. Last but not least, let's head over to the team with every first round pick imaginable, the Oklahoma City Thunder. When we look at the Thunder, aka, you know, the former Supersonics, I do wish they were still in Seattle, but regardless. When we look at the Thunder, they're coming off of nearly a decade of winning basketball, and when I mean winning basketball, I mean winning seasons. Obviously, they had that one finals run, but obviously that didn't turn out all that well. But, if there's one thing the Oklahoma City Thunder appears to know how to do, it's how to get picks. Now, with most of those picks, obviously those are all way down the line. However, as it stands right now, I would consider their core to be Shea. Darius Baisley, Lou Dort, and I'd even throw Josh Giddy in there just because I was like their highest picked. All the other young guys, you know, I don't know if I consider them to be the core just because they've drafted at multiple positions where they already had some depth. Obviously, Trey Mann this year where you had Theo Maladon already and you drafted Josh Giddy when you had Ty Jerome. However, I can see them flipping a bunch of these young guys, you know, and multiple of these picks for one nice big fish, you know, maybe a potential number two to Shea, just because I don't think there's necessarily that, uh, Shea doesn't have his Robin yet, you know what I mean? Because Shea is definitely a Batman kind of guy. But either way, let's go on to a guy who, not saying he will be, however, could potentially be that, that Robin. With the player I'm picking to pop off, I got Darius Baisley. He had a good jump from his rookie year to his sophomore year, had solid per 36 numbers. I think just like Anthony Edwards, he needs to improve defensively. However, that's just something that potentially becomes better over time. Obviously, with the jump from college. Actually, Darius Baisley didn't even go to college. I think he I think he did like some internship, but <laughs> but regardless, off of that tangent. I think Darius Baisley is really poised for a good season. Uh coming off of watching one of my favorite like and people who talk about the NBA PB to plug, he's saying he's got Lamar Odom vibes. But either way, I think with just the Oklahoma City Thunder and how they're not going to be competing this year, Darius Baisley is going to get a lot of time to to experiment, to really find his place, and to overall just solidify himself with this team and their nucleus. Now, the player big in the slump, I got Derek Favors. I think he'll get minimal run, and the Thunder will always prioritize young guys. I think there'll be a lot of times where he could play, but obviously with how the Thunder have been notorious to shut down players. Uh, I think that will happen a lot with Derek Favors. And with that, I also think that's why he'll be the person that gets traded. You know, he's a vet on a young rebuilding team. I think he's, what, 30, 31-ish? But either way, he's still got a few years of good basketball. And I think the Thunder would be smart to offload him for picks or potentially just another young guy. But regardless, I just don't want Derek Favors, you know, to waste the last few years of good ball. I think he has the, not potential because he's already like reached his ceiling. I think he has the, he has the ability to be a solid uh, backup big man. I think a team that I would want to see him on would potentially be maybe the Sixers just because we saw how, well, they didn't play any of their starters, but I think just regardless, maybe not the Sixers, but I think they need a team 
or Derek Favors would be best on a team that has a lack of length just because he's what? 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", I don't know, but he's a big man. And I think if I'm a team that lacks some size, Derek Favors might be a guy that I want to go get just because I think I could definitely get him on a good price. You know, whether it's two seconds, one second. Derek Favors is definitely a guy who cannot necessarily turn my franchise around, but really just be somewhat of an anchor and hold it down when he's out there. With that, that effectively ends, you know, going through each teams in this division. Now let's head over to ranking them. Now, in this little tier list, I'm going to go from the lowest to the highest. At the lowest, I obviously got the Thunder. They're a team that's still in their rebuilding phase. I think they have the opportunity to, be to have a really good rebuild. However, I think they'd be smarter to not necessarily use all those draft picks on players just because you'll end up having a clog of young guys. And unless Sam Presti wants to build a team that's like Milwaukee, you know, a team that's for the most part was built through the draft, I think the Thunder would be smarter to offload those picks and really get some nice big fish in there. But regardless, I see the Thunder as being the worst team in the West this year just based on the fact that they're all young guys and they don't really have an identity. And, you know, I don't want to use the word tanking, but knowing Sam Presti, that is very much in the cards. After that, at number four, I got Minnesota. I think Minnesota is the team that everybody really wants to be good. However, it's also like if they're not good, you're like, oh, well, shit. I kind of knew that was going to happen. But I think a guy like Cat who's only, what, two years removed from his two All-Star appearances, has really gone through the shitter. I think with that, Cat really is going to be poised for a good season, as well as Anthony Edwards, who's obviously getting more comfortable. D'Angelo Russell, if he's even somewhat close to his All-Star caliber, I think they have a really good shot at making at least a play-in. I think overall, that's their bottom line this year. I think the Minnesota Timberwolves definitely want to make the play-in at least. If you add Ben Simmons to that team and you take out D'Lo, I think they get significantly better just because they still have the stretchability with all their other players and all their other starters. And Ben Simmons would really just solidify that defensive unit and be able to really be that defensive leader in the backcourt. After that, number three, got Portland. They're the team I cheer for in the West. However, I just don't think they made as good... Not made. I don't think they had as good of an offseason as a lot of people would give them credit for. Actually, I don't think anybody's really giving them credit. But I don't know. Giving $90 million to a 6'3 guy you expect to play a small forward is uh, very troublesome to say the least. I think the Larry Nance Jr. trade was really good. However, I think their team did not get significantly better. But in watching preseason basketball, I mean, Yusuf Nurkic was shooting the thing out that, man. And I think with this contract year, Nurk also coming off of a year removed from that leg injury. However, he did break his wrist last year as well. I think I, the main thing with the Trailblazers that everybody kind of overlooked last year was the fact that they were banged up a lot. The main thing I would hope for as a Trailblazers fan or player would just be health. But either way... I think the Trailblazers are going to be a good regular season team, just a matter of translating that to the playoffs. After that, only reason I'm not ranking them first, personally, is just because it's Jamal Murray, but we got the Nuggets, obviously have a nice core of young guys, or at least like, not, actually yeah, young guys, because all those guys are what, less than 27, but only thing that would be concerned for them is they're very much like Milwaukee where they have three guys taking up like a majority a good bulk of the money obviously with Jamal Murray who's getting paid a max Jokic max and MPJ just signed a max but this year I think is very much how the Warriors season is going to go where it's all about really surviving 
Uh, unless they could choose to let Jamal Murray sit out the whole year. If I'm the Nuggets, I just want to be competent enough to be in that playoff picture until Jamal Murray comes back. And then hopefully that not necessarily pushes us over the top, but really allows us to be that force in the West that we can be. I think Bone Highland is going to have a really fire season just based off his nickname. But no, with the Nuggets, they're not necessarily in a tanking season, but it does have those kind of vibes since they're down one of their best players. But obviously, if you have the Joker, you definitely have a chance to win every night. I think aside from Giannis, he's another guy I could see winning MVP. I think if he averages a triple-double, it would be undoubtedly another MVP. Unless Giannis does that too, but <laughs> regardless... The Denver Nuggets, I think, are still in a good position to be one of the forces in the West. I think it's just a matter of being like the Warriors, where you get back your, your Robin. Obviously, that means the Utah Jazz I have at first. I think they're going to be the best or one of the best defensive teams this year again. However, I think that will only really be in the regular season. But if teams do choose to play five out again, like I said earlier, that's why I think they picked up Rudy Gay. 6-8 has the ability to play five. If teams do decide to go five out, it'd obviously be really shitty just because, again, you paid a guy $200 million and he can't even play in, like, all situations. Kind of fucked up. But moving on from that, Donovan Mitchell, obviously one of the best young shooting guards in the game, has shades of Dwayne Wade, if I'm being honest. Obviously, Dwayne Wade's an owner, so he's got literally one of the greatest shooting guards, like a top five shooting guard in history. To be his mentor, slash that guy in his ear, Mike Conley, who's still a serviceable guard... Joe Jingles, not that bad either. The pride of the Philippines, who's not Jalen Green and Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> yeah, we claim that man. And then to anchor it all down, obviously you got the man who can't play five out, Rudy Gobert. But in all honesty, I think out of the teams in the West, the Jazz might have the biggest chip on their shoulder just because, again, they had the best record in the entire regular season. However, as a Milwaukee Bucks fan, slash anyone that, I, I don't want to say anyone that really watches basketball, but... As somebody that's you know watched basketball for the past few years, obviously when I'm looking at the Jazz, regular season don't mean shit when it comes to playoff time. And I think the Jazz have just been a team that have shades of Milwaukee where they're really good in the regular season. However, come playoff time, man, they just shit the bed. But regardless, that's my ranking. So at the bottom, at number five, we got the Thunder, number four, the Timberwolves, number three, the Trailblazers, number two, the Nuggets, and the cream of the crop of this division, the Northwest Division, the Utah Jazz. That's going to do it for another issue of the Bucks and Six podcast. We are literally less than two weeks from the start of the NBA season. I know y'all been watching preseason basketball a lot, hopefully at least. I don't know about y'all, but I'm fucking excited. This season, I think, has the chance to be a really, really good one, especially if everybody's healthy. However, you never know. There are a lot of things that are uncertain in life. The only things that are certain are death, taxes, and bucks and six. Take care, y'all. Six always. That's that's for the coach.